Father, O oh Lord, would you please reveal to us the story that sits before us? Would you please open our eyes to see clear insight on what you would speak to our hearts tonight about this story? This picture. Please, Lord, give understanding, give wisdom, give knowledge. Help the people to walk away blessed like never before. And they see things like never before. I thank you, Father, that you're here with us tonight. I ask that you bless this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Genesis chapter 16. A definitely a story that we see before us. Not too much theology or doctrinal things to talk about. Just a straight up picture, a story that we see here in the Old Testament. That's what I love about the Old Testament. You see a story happening, just like Jesus in the Gospels. You know, you see a picture, you see something happening. But you see with the epistles and the, the letters that are written there in the New Testament, which is like two-thirds of the New Testament, you see a lot of rules and principles and situations other than the book of Acts, you know. And a lot of things being told on how to run the church and what to do about this and that and Paul correcting and people writing. But here in Genesis chapter 16, we see just that, a story. Remember, Genesis chapter 15, we see what happening there. We see the vision, remember, came to Abraham. Remember, two different visions there. And we see one, the Lord coming to him and telling him that he is going to be... Remember, he looked up at the stars, remember all that? And he saw the stars and the Lord told him that was going to be his descendants and as many as the sand on the seashore. Remember that? The Lord's thoughts towards us. Then another vision came to him about he was going to see his descendants were going to be, remember, in pretty much enslaved for 400 years or four generations. And that's going to be by who? The Egyptians. Do you remember? Remember with Pharaoh and all that, that's about to come up soon. Well, not soon, but it's coming. We'll see in our text there in Exodus, I believe. And, um, and so we're moving on here into Genesis chapter 16. We see Abraham re- re- receiving this promise from God. Remember? Shows in the stars. Remember, Abraham believed and it was counted to him righteousness. And now believing, just believing God. Man, I had great talks with my buddies about this weekend. Just believing God. That's all he wants you to do. There's no more work that needs to be done. It's all finished. You just believe him and that's it. You don't have to do anything. Oh, that's what it was. I heard Damien Kyle speak today. The covenant, there's two covenants here. One, a huge unconditional covenant. Look at this, look at this one right here. The one we just looked at with Abraham, you ready? Abraham, what did God do? Abraham didn't do anything. But God said, it's an unconditional covenant. It's like me walking up to Sam and saying, Sam, I'm going to just do something for you just because. Not because he's been good or wonderful or done anything exciting or awesome. But just because I'm going to make a covenant, just because. Because... Because the Lord has decided to here with Abraham. He's decided to bless him in a special way. His love for him. The love for Sam. Making that covenant. Making that decision to give it. What, what covenant did God make with Abraham? Which one? He said what? I'm going to make your descendants as many as the stars in the sky. That's an amazing covenant. That's a big promise. Check this out. Your descendants, your generations are going to be as many as the stars in the sky. How many stars are there? Remember? You cup your hand and pick up some sand you look at that 
They say there is as many stars in the sky as there are all the grains of sand on the earth. The beaches. Amazing. I'm just cup it right there. How many's there? Oh, snap. That's too many for me to count. That'll take me all my life to count that. And God gave that promise to Abraham, that covenant. But what's more than that? What covenant has God given to you and to me that is more amazing than that one? This one. God says what? It is finished. Jesus' covenant that He has made with you and me, right? What covenant has He made with you and I? He said what? You don't have to do anything. Abraham, you don't have to do anything. Josh, you don't have to do anything. I'm just going to give you this. Bam, you just believe. You just believe and I'm giving it to you. Heaven for free. Forgiveness of all your sins. Just by believing. That's an amazing covenant. You don't have to do anything for it. That's unbelievable. I can't believe it. If you made a covenant with somebody, what would you do? Well, if you do this, then I'll do this for you. You don't just do things out of the ordinary, like, okay, hey, I'm going to give you, Manuel, I'm going to give you my house, my car, my motorcycle, all my bank account, everything, just because. Here you go. That doesn't make any sense. If you believe me, if you believe me that I'm going to do it, you have it. It's yours. Easy is one, two, three. That doesn't make sense. But that is the covenant that God has made with us, the biggest covenant, the one that He made with Abraham, the second biggest covenant there, making His descendants as a sand on the seashore. So we're going to dive in here. That's kind of the backdrop of what's happening. God just made a covenant with Abraham. And now we dive into chapter 16 and we see, well, we see Sarah, Abraham, and Hagar. Oh yes, Hagar. Do you remember Hagar? Where did Hagar come from? Remember when Abraham was, went down to Egypt? Do you remember? A couple weeks ago we talked about this. Abraham does what? Goes down to Egypt and remember Pharaoh gives him a bunch of stuff. Remember? He went to his wife. He said, wife, say that you're my sister. Say that you're my sister so they don't come and kill me you know, because they're going to want you as their wife. And so she does that. She says that she's his sister. And they go down in and Pharaoh finds out that that's his wife. And uh, there's a curse upon the land. He says, please, please, you know, just take this woman and take all this goods and take all this stuff. And uh, we don't want this. I can't believe you did this to me. How could you not tell me that this was your wife? And so what did Pharaoh give him? He gave him, remember, maidservants. And remember, in these maidservants was who? Hagar. And this is where Hagar comes from, one of the maidservants, and watch the story unfold. Genesis chapter 16. Now Sarah, verse 1, Abraham's wife, bare him no children. And she had a handmaid, an Egyptian, whose name was Hagar. And Sarah said unto Abraham, Behold now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing. We'll stop there, right there in the middle of verse 2. The Lord has restrained me from bearing. Okay, how old is Sarah here? She's old. She's like, they're like in their 70s, 75. Okay, so think about this. What if you've been married for like, I mean, they've been married probably since 15, 16 years old, okay? Right now they got married young at those age. So they've been trying to have kids for like over 60 years. 60 years trying to have kids. Guess what? No kids. No kids. Where are the kids? Trying to have kids. No kids are coming. What's the deal here, huh? Abraham and Sarah trying to have kids. No kids are coming. So obviously there's a huge problem here. Sarah's all bummed out and scared. And so what does she do? She goes to the maidservant that she got from Pharaoh. 
That's what they got from Egypt. Remember it says even there that she is an Egyptian. And he says, man, you know, jeez, uh, the Lord's not giving me you know, any kids or anything like that, so what shall I do? She starts thinking about something. Maybe my servant Hagar over there, huh? that'd be a good idea. I see that happening everywhere around me. There in that city, there in that time, the city or the uh, I don't know, county or whatever, of Ur and the Babylonians there, that was common there. That, that wasn't a weird thing. Like We would think that's out of the ordinary. Like, hello? Okay, so what wife here, anywhere, would say, yeah, I can't have kids, so husband, I want you to go have relations with her, sex with her, and uh, bear me a child. Yeah, right. Husband's probably like, that, that, I'm not even going to get into that. Sorry, I almost did. <laughs> Praise the king. But that's just, this, I mean, that's just sick. Nobody won't, no, it ain't happening. Any woman would get, go crazy and be bummed out over that. But listen, in this day and age, it wasn't uncommon. It was happening there in the Babylonian times. And so, we see this here. They haven't had kids. 60 years of trying or 70 years of trying here. It says later here in the chapter that Abraham is 86 years old. So, um, man, they're up there in, in years. But what did the Lord just promise Abraham? Remember the covenant? I just shared it with you. The covenant. What was it? The covenant. I'm going to make your descendants as many as the sand on the seashore, right? So the Lord had told Abraham, Hey, dude, you're going to have more kids than you know what to do with. And what happens in the next chapter? Abraham, hubby, there's no kids. I want kids. We've been trying for 70 years. What's the deal? You know, God said he's going to bring kids. I don't see any kids. I know. Hagar, maidservant. And so he does. Look what happens there in verse 2. And so Sarah said to Abraham, Behold now. Behold now? The Lord has restrained me from bearing. No, he has not. He promised her kids, man. That's a lie. I pray thee, go unto my maid. It may be that I may obtain her by ch- uh, b- obtain children by her. Abraham hearkened to the voice of Sarah. Little buster. I bet he hearkened. What a loser, man. Gosh, you know. Anyways, praise the Lord. Let's move on to verse 3. And Sarah, Sarai, her name is Sarai, her name isn't Sarai, but Sarai, Abram's wife, and I keep calling him Abraham, his name's not Abraham, it's Abram, wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, after Abram had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan, and gave to her husband Abram to be his wife, or to be, yes, to be his wife. Notice, to be his wife. He took on another wife. Polygamy. Took on another wife. Abram, what are you doing, man? You're sending against the king. Number one, by, I wonder if he'd been lusting after Hagar and hoping that to happen. Who knows? But all of a sudden it is happening now. And you see Sarah all bummed out. You're going to see right here in the next verse. So what happens is, yep, he takes him as her wife. I mean, he takes her as his wife, Hagar. And he has relations with her. And what happens? Well, she conceives. Verse 4, And he went into Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her eyes. What does that mean? When she, Hagar, 
saw that she had conceived a baby. Oh, snap, I'm pregnant. When she saw that she was pregnant, she looked now at her, her master, Sarah, Abraham's wife, and, said, and started despising her like, she ain't nobody. Big whoopee, I'm the one with the child now. I'm the one who's brought the rights to Abraham. Abraham's looking at me as the one because I'm bearing his kids, you see. That was a big deal back in the day. Remember, what, it, what was Abraham complaining to the Lord about in the last chapter? He was like, Lord, you blessed me with all this stuff. Remember, I got a big house. I got nice cars and I got all this stuff. I got all this money in the bank. But who am I going to pass it down to? Eleazar, Mr. Dodo Man. Do you remember that? Do you remember that? I don't want to pass it to him. I want to pass it to my own son. So what happens? I wonder, I, what's happening in Abraham's mind? That's my question. What is he doing? The Lord had promised him a son. And he goes round about trying to like, maybe think he's thinking he's helping the Lord out. Like, oh, I know how the Lord's going to bring me a son. And all of a sudden she gets pregnant. And he's like, oh, snap. See, that is the way the Lord was going to do it. Wow, I figured it out. And I got two wives on this accident. Praise the Lord. No, you messed up. And so what happens here? She becomes pregnant, thinks she's going to like take over the household or something, like Abraham's my man now, because guess what? I got his baby, and he's stoked because he gets to hand all of his stuff down to some kid and pour into this kid. And so look what happens. Verse 5, And Sarah said unto Abram, My wrong be upon you. Oh, snap. I have given my maid into thy bosom, and when she saw that she had conceived... I was despised in her eyes. The Lord judged between me and thee. Typical. Are you ready? Sarah comes to the Hagar maidservant and says, Come and have you know kids with my husband for me. Hagar gets pregnant. And what does she do? She looks down and, and, and starts looking down on Sarah and doesn't respect anymore and says, i got the baby now. I'm in charge. Blah, 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 blah. And guess what happens? Hagar gets mad at Abraham. How did this work? How does this happen? It was her idea. Abram, hey hubby, why don't you go and sleep with her and, and, and have a baby? Okay, she goes and has a baby, and all of a sudden, Sarah gets mad at Abraham for it. Amazing. She gets mad for the efforts that she has done. She has put forth Hagar to conceive a baby and gets mad at Abraham for her conceiving a baby. So guess what happens? Abraham, being a little sly dog that he is, look at verse 6. But Abram said unto Sarah... Behold, thy maidservant is in thy hand. Do to her as you please. And when Sarah dealt, and when Sarah I dealt hardly with her, she fled from her face. So what happens? Sarah gets mad. She goes and drop kicks the maidservant, you know, and like get out of my house, and gets all mad. And, and Hagar goes running for the hills. She runs the little cat fight there in the house. Abraham, man, if he would only said, if he would have only, he got the word of the Lord. If he would have only said to Sarah, Sarah, you want me to sleep with Hagar? No. Did not the Lord tell me? Did not I complain to the Lord? Did not I ask the Lord and seek the Lord? Please give me a son that I can pass all my stuff down to. And the Lord said what? Okay, I'll do it. I'm going to make your descendants as, a, as the stars in the sky. I'm going to give you more kids than you know what to do with. He did not do that, did he? He instead said, oh, I'm, I'm going to sleep with Hagar and I'm going to have some kids. Yeah, real fast. I'm going to speed up the process. 
Mistake number one. Us trying to make things happen when God's got it taken care of. Us trying to take care of things and push things to happen when the king has got it taken care of. I wonder, from the time that the Lord spoke to Abraham, to the time that Sarah came to him and said, oh, I got an idea, why don't you sleep with Hagar? Listen, I wonder if that time Abraham was worrying and wondering. The Lord had promised him, the Lord had told him, you're going to have kids, man, they're going to have kids coming out of your ears, man. I wonder from that time on, he, he knew, he heard the word of the Lord, you know? You know this, you know what I'm talking about? The Lord comes to you and says something, or the Lord comes to you and promises something, or the Lord has said something to you through His word that He's going to cause it to work together, work out this way. He's got it taken care of. Everything's going to be fine. And what do we do for that period of time? From the time that He has given us that promise to the time that He fulfills that promise, what do we do? We worry. And we try to make things happen and try to work things out ourselves. Oh no! The Lord's timing is perfect time. Your time is whack. Your time is flawed. You think you know when the right time is. Wrong, my friends. We do not know the right time. He's the one who sees past, present, and future. He knows the exact time when everything's supposed to work out. He knows. You can't outthink the Lord. So don't try to. Stop worrying. Stop trying to figure it out. The Lord has given me a peace that surpasses understanding. Remember? When you have a peace that surpasses understanding, surpasses, what happens? You don't have to understand, right? You have surpassed... Peace has surpassed understanding. You don't have to try to understand anymore. You don't have to try to think and wonder why. You don't have to worry or think about these things. No. How am I going to have a kid? I want understanding how it's going to come about. Is it going to come through my wife? Or, oh, oh, I can speed up the process. It'll come through Hagar. Oh. What are you doing? God isn't planned out. Sit back and relax. But I'm old. I'm 86, man. When am I going to have a kid? If the Lord has promised you, He will pull through. The Lord's promised you. The Lord's promised me. There's so many times, you know, when I think I can figure it out and do a bunch of things to speed up the timing of the Lord and make things happen faster. And guess what happens? I end up having, or getting in contact with a Hagar and end up having a baby that they don't even want to have. Ishmael. And it causes more problems in my life than I could ever imagine. Because I decided to jump the gun and do my own thing. Watch how this plays out. Watch how this plays out. Watch what happens. Let's finish reading this here. So remember, Hagar, Sarah comes to Hagar, gets mad at her there in verse 6, and scares her off. So she flees. Verse 7, look what happens. And the angel of the Lord found her by a fountain of water in the wilderness, by the fountain in the way of Shur. 
stop there real quick. The angel of the Lord. This is the first mention in the Bible of the angel of the Lord. Why are first mentions important? Remember, hermeneutics. First mentions are important because why? If you want to know the meaning of a word in the Bible, the best way to interpret, the best way to understand, the best way to look for the understanding throughout the, the Bible, where they get their translation that stands still for the rest of the Bible is normally, or most of the time, 90% of the time, from the first mention. The angel of the Lord. Who is this? This is Jesus our King. The angel of the Lord. The angel of the Lord is different from any other angel that appears. Why? Because every other angel that appears anywhere in the Bible, what happens? They always turn away worship. Always turn away worship. They won't accept worship. But the angel of the Lord does what? Accepts worship. Allows people to worship him. There's only one who is to be worshipped, and that's the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. That's God. That's Jesus. The angel of the Lord appearing here in the Old Testament once again. What is he doing there? Look, he comes to speak to Hagar. He comes to find Hagar, the maidservant. I love that. And just real quick, the Lord just spoke. Why didn't the Lord go to Abraham and Sarah, the people of faith, the people of God? Was Hagar a believer? No. She's an Egyptian of pagan descent. What is the Lord doing coming to Hagar, I believe, to save her? And watch what happens here. Verse 8, And he said to Hagar, He said, Hagar, Sarah's maid, Whence camest thou? And where wilt thou go? And she said, I flee from the face of my mistress Sarah. I run from Sarah. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Return to thy mistress, and submit thyself under her hands. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, I will multiply thy seed exceedingly, and it shall not be numbered for the multitude. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Behold, thou art with child, and shall bear a son, and shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord has heard thy affliction. Stop there. So what does the Lord do? He comes to, he comes to Hagar. Hagar has been beat and then told to go away and never come back from Sarah. Sarah gets angry at her. She's still got the baby in her stomach and she's out there in the wilderness. I wonder, worried to death about what to do. I wonder if she cried out to God or what happened. But the angel of the Lord appears to her. Listen. The angel of the Lord appears to her. And he says, Hagar, everything's going to be okay. I want you to go back to Sarah, and I want you to submit unto her. Oh, snap. Did you hear that, my friend? Submit unto her. Let's talk about submission real quick. Submission is not submission unless it's submission. Submission is not submission unless you have to submit. Submission is not submission unless it's true submission. Is submission easy? Think about it. When you have to submit under somebody, what does that mean? You submit to an authority that you do not want to submit. That's why God is telling her here, Hagar, go and submit to Sarah. Why didn't she argue and say, Lord, 
But she just beat me or she just came down on me hard and kicked me out of here. I can't go back. Go back and submit. Oh, I love it. Submit. Die. Is Sarah wrong for what she did? Yes. But you go and you submit to her. Who should be saying sorry here? Sarah should, shouldn't she? But God tells Hagar to go back and say sorry. God tells Hagar to go back and to fall on her face. Listen, friends. It's a great principle here. Submission can be the greatest thing for us. It teaches us discipline. When you become a parent one day, and me too, we must teach our kids to submit. What does submitting mean? Submitting when you do not want to submit. Take up the trash. Well, I don't want to. It doesn't matter if you want to or not. You submit. Submitting is not easy. You teach them submission because it teaches them discipline for the rest of their days. Submission isn't submission unless it's submission. What does that mean? Submitting to the person that you would hate to submit to. Laying down and dying. Didn't Jesus do that for you and for me, my friends? Listen. We're losing it. Is it the fan killing you guys? Listen. Pay attention. Gird up your minds. Stay focused. Jesus submitted to who? To those Romans. Did he have to? Oh no. He could have broke free. He could have came off that cross and lit every single person up in an instant. The creator of the universe being letting himself be nailed to a cross the most amazing act of submission ever. God did that for you and for me. He laid down His life. He died. Who should be saying they're sorry? Not Jesus. He didn't do anything wrong. But He was the one who laid down. He was the one to say sorry. He was the one to bear it all and submit to the authorities. Amazing. God tells Sarah to go back and I mean God tells Hagar to go back and submit to Sarah. Very difficult task. And she does. And she believes God. Do you understand that phrase submission isn't submission unless it's submission? Submission is harsh. Submitting isn't submitting unless you have to submit, you see. True submission. Truly giving yourself isn't submitting unless it's hard, unless it's difficult. With your parents, go home and submit. Be faithful. Bless them. I don't want to. Submit. Learn. Submitting isn't always easy, but it's the greatest sacrifice you could ever do for somebody. Because when you submit, listen my friends, When you submit, when you submit, you find people looking you at a different, in a different light day by day. Think about it. You submit to your boss when you shouldn't have to. And he finds out that you submitted when you shouldn't have to. Amazing. What an amazing work.
You submit to your family or your friend when they've done something wrong to you. Amazing. Be blessed. Be blessed as Hagar is here in this passage. And God does bless her. What does he say? That's it, Hagar, because if you do this, I'm going to make your seed multiply exceedingly. You, also, your kid, Ishmael, will be a great nation. Great nation. He gave her that promise. Let's read on. Finish this up. There in verse 10, let me read it again. And the angel of the Lord, God said unto her, I will multiply thy seed, Hagar, I will multiply thy seed exceedingly, that it shall not be numbered for multitude. You see that? And then verse 11, And the angel of the Lord said, Behold, thou art with a child, and shalt bear a son, and shalt call his name Ishmael, because the Lord has heard thy affliction. The Lord heard her cry. And verse 12, it says, He will be a wild man, and his hands will be against every man, and every man's hands against him. And he shall dwell in the presence of his brethren. And she called the name of the Lord that spoke to her, the God that sees me. Oh, I love that. For she said, I have also here looked after him that seeth me. I have I also looked after him that seeth me. Wherefore, the well was called, there lay Hyrule. Behold, it is between Kadesh and Bered. And so Hagar goes back And she calls God the Lord that sees me. The Lord that sees me. You guys, the Lord that sees me. The Lord sees you in your situation, in your place today. Where are you at? What's your walk like? How's the day been? Have you been kicked out by Sarah today? Have you been beat and hammered down? Are you tired? Are you okay? The Lord sees you. I love that. He sees me and He hears me. And the angel of the Lord maybe is coming to you tonight to speak to your heart. And to let you know that everything's going to be okay. That He's going to work it out. He's going to pull through. He truly is. He's there for me and He's there for you. No matter if we have a Ishmael or not. What ends up happening here, you see, I'll just, let me finish this up, two more verses. You see Hagar, verse 15. Hagar bare Abraham a son and called his name, which Hagar bare Ishmael. And Abraham was fourscore and sixty years old, or eighty-six years. And Hagar bare Ishmael to Abraham. What a great story and illustration for us all. The big picture, God promises Abraham something. He does not trust God. He goes and tries to take care of it himself. What happens? He has a baby named Ishmael. He goes and sleeps with his maidservant, tries to make it happen himself, has a baby named Ishmael. And Ishmael is who? Do you know who Ishmael is? Ishmael is where we get the entire Arab nation or Muslim nation today. That's where it came from, right there in that story, right there in that place. That's where the entire Arab nation starts. 
And guess who's the other son that he's about to have? The one who he was supposed to wait for. The one that he is supposed to wait on. That the one the Lord promised to him and Sarah. His name is Isaac. His name is Isaac. And do you know who Isaac is? Isaac is the man, the entire Jewish nation. This is where it all comes from. You have what? The entire Jewish nation. And you have what? Ishmael, the entire Arab nation. The Muslims and the Islam. Not all Arabs are Muslim. But this is where the, the, the Muslim nation comes from. And guess what we have going on still to this day, from this day, all the way back from Isaac and Ishmael. What did it say about Ishmael? Remember, he's going to be a wild man. And there'll be blood on his hands like no other. Every man will be against him, and he'll be against every man. That's the Arab nation. That's the Muslims killing off people like crazy. Remember, they attack the Jews, and they hate the Jews of the passion. They hate Isaac. Ishmael hates Isaac. It goes all the way back to this, all the way back to this root. Why did it go back? Why does it go all the way back to there? Why has this problem happened? Because who? Abraham decided to say what? I'm going to go and do it my way. And there comes the Ishmael to come and torment my people for the rest of my days. The thorn in the flesh. There may be a thorn in your flesh that will torment you for the rest of your days because of something you've done. But I want you to know that God's still going to save you in the end. And I want you to know before you cause that thorn in the flesh, before you make a bad decision, before you try to work things through without waiting upon the Lord, please take heed. Please, tonight. Friends. Can you turn off the fan? Sorry. Second one over, next one over. Please, my friends, listen. Don't allow the enemy to come in and push a Hagar on you. Don't let one come in. If you're worrying or wondering about something and how it's going to work out and what's going to happen, do not move. You stay still. Maybe you need to get on your face tonight and cry out to the Lord and say, Lord, I don't know what to do. I've been waiting, I've been waiting, I've been waiting, I've been waiting. I think it's 13 years that Abraham, Abraham receives a promise. 13 years later, guess what? I think it's 13 years after, that's what, before, it takes 13 years for him to receive the true promise that he's been waiting for. 13 years. 13 years. And guess when he receives that promise? When he's 99, I believe. 99, 100 years old. That's when he has the child. What man can have a child at 100 years old? That's a miracle, my friends. And you say, Josh, I feel like I'm 100 years old, man. I don't see any miracle. I don't see any promise happening right now. When's it going to come? Oh, it's coming. You stay tuned. You stay focused. You wait on the Lord. Don't move too fast. What's the next thing for my life? I don't know where to go, Josh. I feel like I'm just doing the same old. You wait upon the Lord. Don't act too fast. Don't try to make something happen. Go and seek His face. You know, the disciples were on their face ten days in the upper room, praying nonstop until the Lord came to them. 
ten, did the Lord said that it was going to send the Holy Spirit to them. Ten days they prayed nonstop. And that's when the Lord came to them. Maybe that's what Abraham should have been doing, is praying. Instead of seeking out Miss Hagar over there and having an Ishmael. No Ishmaels in this party here, my friends. No Ishmaels in this family, please. The word of the Lord for us tonight is to be patient and to wait upon the King to do what He's going to do in your life. He's right on time. Do you know that? He's right on time today. He hasn't missed a beat. The clock's ticking and everything's okay right now in this moment, in this time, right now we stand. What's the time? 8.29. You're right where you're supposed to be in this moment, in this time in life. The Lord has not failed. He's pulled through. Don't be scared. Don't be dismayed. Yeah, but just this isn't it. This is it. No. Everything is fine. Let's think back on the times when things have been bad. Let's think back on the times when things have been awesome. And what's next? The Lord is pulling through. He's going to come through. He's going to take us through to the next time. Seasons in life. There's that spring when everything's fresh and exciting. And yeah! New Jesus stuff. Yeah, man, I'm on fire. There's that summer where you're just experiencing it and just bathing in it, man, just soaking up the sun. <laughs> then the fall starts to come and it gets a little gloomy. And the wind starts to blow and the leaves start to fall and things start to get a little weary and shaky and then the winter comes. And everything's dead. And nothing is there. And what's going on? And why am I here? And I don't feel anything. Spring is right around the corner. Don't forget. Don't have an Ishmael. Stay focused. The king's on the way. It's tonight the night we go away to be with Jesus. If it is, then we never look back on this life ever again. We don't think about tomorrow. We don't worry or wonder about what's going to happen with this and how is that going to work. No. Nope. It's gone. And we'll be with the King. If it's tonight at 10.30, then we're ready, aren't we? What about 10.31? Hey, we're ready. It's 10.32, I'm okay. 10.33, praise the Lord, I got to be here another minute. The Lord's coming quickly. And so please, I beg and plead with you to stay focused. Even when times feel weary and down and dead, grab onto your friends. Grab onto the people around you and ask them to pray for you and encourage you. Grab onto Jesus most importantly. Oh gosh, i got to read something. Oh man, I don't have it. Jay, can you get my journal? It's off the desk. It's on the desk right there. You know what? I think I remember it. On in this last quote, as 
being brought up by Jay, go ahead and pass that forward. Ah, yes. It's just a quick thing I'm going to read. It's on Adam and Eve, and just check this out. God told Adam and Eve not to eat of the tree of knowledge and good and evil. Right? Don't eat of the tree of knowledge and good and evil. Why? Because if they did, they would know stuff. The tree of what? Knowledge. Knowing. If they ate of it, they would know, wouldn't they? And if they know stuff, they wouldn't go to God and ask Him anything. All of a sudden, they knew that they were naked. And they knew they needed to make fig leaves. These fig leaf skirts. And no more would they go to God to ask. God just wants us to talk to Him and communicate with Him. Because He knows in doing this, we will be satisfied. Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. We want to know, don't we? I want to know what tomorrow holds. I want to know, no, no. But guess what? If you know, and if you have knowledge, and guess what? You don't seek the Lord anymore. You don't go to Him anymore. And so what will the Lord allow to happen in your life and mine too? He will allow us to be in places when we don't know what's happening. We don't know what's going on. We'll be wondering. Why? Because those are the times when we seek Him the most. The Lord loves to be in fellowship with us and loves to be close to us and loves to have us come and ask Him. But guess what? The second we think we know or we start to know and we don't go to the Lord, guess what happens? We have an Ishmael. Go to the Lord and find out. Knowledge, knowing puffs up, doesn't it? Knowing puffs up. But what? Love edifies. Who's love? God is love. Knowing puffs up, God edifies. Let your spirit be edified too. Go to Him and seek His face and talk to Him. If you've got lots of questions, then go and ask God. I dare you. And see if He answers you. Don't try to figure it out for yourself. Be patient. Wait upon the King. Amen? Amen. I love you guys. And I want you to be blessed all the days of your life. How many more days do we have, I ask? I want to know. Maybe I'll go ask the King. If he tells me, I'm not telling you, though. you got to go ask him yourself. Because if you know... Then you might start having Ishmael's everywhere, you know. Trying to figure out this and that because you know something. You know. <laughs> so stay focused, okay? <laughs> Go away this week and be blessed. Pat, you'll get it on the way out. Praise the Lord, sorry. Kevin, sorry. <laughs> okay. I don't know where the next season is. I truly don't. I don't know with this study, with what's going to happen and where it's going to go as we you know, move this house and all these things. So be, please be praying about that. Please be asking the Lord and talking to Him for me, please. 
Please pray about these things because I don't know what to do. I don't know how it's all going to work out and how it's all going to pan out. But I trust the King and I know everything's going to be okay. And so please, you go and seek Jesus tonight. You go and have a relationship with Him. You go and be blessed by Him. And I'll do it too, okay? And we'll be a family. And you come back and encourage me and I'll encourage you. Let's, uh, let's sing Father, I adore you as we close, okay? And Father, I adore you, and I lay my life before you, and how I love and Jesus, I adore you. In Jesus, I adore you, and I lay my life before you, and how I love you, Spirit. Spirit, I adore you, and I have us to do in tomorrow and this day Lord that we get to a point where we don't wonder we don't worry we just sit at peace and wait for you Lord that we would not move too fast or move too slow but that we would walk with you daily not ahead of you not behind you but right by your side hold our hand Lord walk with us tonight be glorified in every single one of these. Please have your way. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Love you guys.